All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Wednesday, September 25th. We're on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. You know, I got to give the big long opening, buddy. Um, got a ton of stuff here. We got dates. We got sponsors. We got we got networks that we're on. It's a lot to remember, man. I this this went from a this went from like a little side kind of thing to having to remember a lot of stuff. Live reads. I feel like I'm keeping up with all of it, but every I once in a while, when I people, get when people are tracking forward to get to the part where we're just doing the podcast, now they might have to press the forward 30 seconds button twice instead of once. So yeah, it's no, been I know a big that adjustment for our listeners, but uh, appreciate it. Appreciate y'all. That means you. <laughs> that means you know the podcast has made it when you have a bunch of stuff that ends up in your podcast. Uh, sometimes you know what it is, and sometimes you know what it isn't. Anyway, week four cash games coming down the pike here after a week three that did seem so ownership. Start to fluctuate a little bit as people made um, just had the, the, some of the decisions seem to be closer around certain guys. Like, you know, we were looking at uh, uh, ownership projections around a couple of the positions, and it was all there weren't, I mean, outside of like Zeke, there weren't, I don't know if there was any other overwhelming chalk plays. I'm not sure if, I don't know if you get that feeling from this week. Or are we going to have some like guys that people are just going to clearly pay up for or think it's going to be a little closer? Like, do you see this week shaking? I know for our system, it seems almost dead set on a few guys here, but do you see? You see there just being a lot of chalk in this slate, or do you feel like it might be spread out a little bit, again, outside of one or two guys? Yeah, I think it will be somewhat spread out, um, especially, well, uh, as we were going through each position, I felt like there were good playable options at several positions, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the biggest thing that will happen is you won't see anyone who's like the 70% ownership guys the way you have in past weeks, um, like Zeke, when he was very clearly going to get all the snaps against Miami. Uh, I don't think you'll see a ton of that, um, but you know sometimes I'm I'm not always on top of it. One one resource we've been using more recently is uh, Fanshare um, over at FansharesSports.com. They they do a good job of trying to get together all the different data that basically trying to they have a machine learning algorithm that tracks all the buzz and all of the discussions that are happening in various places on the internet, and then it attempts to forecast GPP ownership. So. If you don't have a Fanshare account, you can go check them out. But um, but yeah, aside from trying to use Fanshare to figure this out, oftentimes it's just you know just trying to get your get a hunch, <laughs> and that's a that's not always the easiest thing. But um, but yeah, in terms of ownership, I guess I'm also not super worried because I do like a lot of the plays at the various positions right now. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I think when I see our system pretty much locked on certain guys that just sort of feel right, that does strike me as, I'm going to put this word in quotes, safe week. Uh, that's famous last words. I mean, people that are safe, and football is never safe when it just comes to injury, and sometimes just, you know, teams zig when you think they're going to zag. But this week does sort of feel like it's l- at least setting up to be, I don't know, fairly straightforward. We do not have a ton of injury stuff laying out there right now. Uh, outside of just a couple guys that are questionable. Sometimes this stuff does crystallize a little more, or often it crystallizes more Thursday and Friday. We will be back tomorrow with a game-by-game breakdown podcast that will go through each team on the slate, on the main slate of games, and try to figure out uh, you know, where who are cash game plays versus GPP bit there. But let's start with quarterback. Uh, man, we joked about it yesterday on the podcast, on, on the week three recap, that you know sometimes it ends up looking like whoever was good the previous week is who gets written up in the cash game article. And I did sort of feel like that with Russell Wilson. And I also kind of nodded to the idea that Russell Wilson would have been written up in our system almost no matter what he had done last week. He just happened to have the best week. Uh, he plays Car- he plays Arizona. I can run through some of the stats uh, for the Arizona piece. But where do you stand when you see a guy, a guy like Wilson kind of cropping up here? Do you think it's do you think people are going to see this as a 
oh, we're just kind of tailing what he did in week three, or does it strike you as a good play? Yeah, I mean, it strikes me as a good play. I think one thing where fo- one area where football is different than other sports is that a guy being good the week before or the game before is actually the most relevant in football. And the reason for that is that oftentimes it's like a breakout performance is often due to some kind of change in opportunity or change in plan by the team. Not really the case with Wilson here. Um, I guess this more applies to running backs and wide receivers. But but yeah, that's going to happen in football a little bit more often. Or you'll get things like you know Keenan Allen, who I'm sure we'll get to in a second, where it's like each week that goes by where he continues to have double-digit target share just cements the idea that that's the guy he's going to be going forward. So yeah, you're going to be you know, chasing big performances, I think, more often in football uh, than in other sports. But yeah, Wilson just seems like a solid play. I mean, one thing we've basically been trying to do so far this season for cash purposes that's worked out, I think we're now 5-1 and one on main slates across FanDuel and DraftKings, is chasing these undervalued running quarterbacks. So it was Jackson for the first two weeks, uh, it was Murray last week, and it's Wilson this week going up against Arizona. So uh, I still think there's a lot of value there uh, in terms of the change of opportunity piece. Uh, it was really reassuring to see Wilson the last two weeks carry the ball six and seven times. Uh, that shows us that Seattle's ready to, you know, continue to trust him with his legs and he's performing well with the arm. So right now he's the full package. Yeah, so he fleeces Arizona. Arizona has already allowed two of the top eight overall quarterback performances on the season. One was to uh, Lamar Jackson. In week two, Matthew Stafford put up 31.6 DraftKings points in week one. And Kyle Allen looked great against them last week. That ended up being like a top 20 performance on the season. I'm, talking, look, I'm, t- I'm not just saying against them, like all, all quarterback performances. I think they've allowed three of the top 20 overall uh, since the season started. And it's a combination of the defense isn't that good, the secondary is not that good, and the offense pays at a, plays at a super fast pace. And you know, it's something we talk about more with basketball. When you face these up-tempo teams, the other team just gets the opponent, just ends up getting volume just um, touches on the ball, volume, just usage. And that just is what happens when teams play Arizona. They play super fast, and thereby they allow the other team to just run a ton of plays. And there's just so much safety when that's going to be the case. And there doesn't seem there's, – there's no sign that that's going to stop for the Kingsbury offense. So I think Wilson is a pretty easy play here for me. I do like that the run game continues to be a question mark. I guess we can get into that a little bit when we get down to running backs. Like the Chris Carson fumble problem – continues to just rear its ugly head and they don't seem to have they just continue to not seem to sometimes have a great answer for what they're doing on the ground so I love Wilson here I think I want to just play him on both sites um, DraftKings and FanDuel main slate that's kind of where I'm leaning right now uh, we do have Mahomes though underneath him and I, I don't know where we see the safety we nodded to it yesterday in the podcast the ridiculous coefficient of variation that he's run out there this year Again, just becoming the, like, just easily the most the, the most safest. I'm just, I almost said sound like stupid when I say that. that. <laughs> the safest quarterback or the most safe uh, quarterback on the slate. Where does he rank compared to Wilson here? They actually, crazily enough, do not have the highest team total this week, the, the Chiefs, but they have the second highest. Where do you rank Mahomes when it comes to uh, Wilson, knowing you have to pay a little bit more? Yeah, Mahomes always has the highest floor. So that's the, the discussion always stops with Mahomes right now when it comes to which quarterback has the highest floor going forward and as always the the big question is well how do the rest of the pieces kind of slot in around him if you wind up paying up for Mahomes I will say that at some other positions this week we do have some guys that we're really trying to prioritize that are in the higher price tier so right now our lineup optimizer is not seeing 
Mahomes show up as the top play in cash games. It also has Wilson just competing with him in terms of raw points. So uh, maybe that's a mistake on our part, but um, the fact that it's even in the conversation means that our optimizer is going to have you taking the $1,400 savings and applying it to, you know, expensive running backs like McCaffrey uh, or kind of these upper mid-tier wide receivers like Allen. So yeah, right now Mahomes not showing up anywhere near the top lineups, but again, that's just because of the incredible spot that Russell Wilson's in right now. And really the difference, and look, it's not because the team total, it's just because Wilson picks up, like I said, that volume helps him pick up a little bit, and Mahomes really doesn't run at all. So Wilson picks up a few of these, a few extra points around the edges in our projection just because of the running ability that Mahomes, Mahomes probably could run. He just simply never has to. Like the way that <laughs> offense is, that he just, there's just guys right. wide, running wide open down the field all the time. It's like, why would I run? These guys just open 50 yards on the field. Like, so I'll just throw it to that guy and they can run for a touchdown. Like, why, why waste my energy if I could just throw it down the field to these guys? So now the last guy... I wrote up Matt, Matt Ryan, but I'm actually there's there's like a, a small group of guys that are grouped together for me here that are not running quarterbacks, but are in really good spots that I kind of want to just pick between, and then we're going to move on to running back. Matt Ryan's one of them, uh, just because I think he's a little bit underpriced based on the he's thrown a lot of interceptions this year. He's already thrown six interceptions. He threw seven all of last year, so that strikes me as a little bit of run bad uh, in the interception spot. Then there's Phillip Rivers, against a huge favorite against Miami, 16.5-point road favorite against Miami. And then there's actually Jared Goff, uh, who, against Tampa Bay, they have the, uh, I believe they have the highest team total this week. They're all priced, at least on FanDuel, in that 77, it actually goes right in order, 77, 78, 7,900 between the three, Goff, Rivers, then Ryan. I wrote up Ryan. I easily could have written up the other two guys. It's all very close in our system. Does one of those guys, as a non-running quarterback, because we usually don't do it, all of them are a little cheaper on DraftKings as well. Could you see this being a week where we maybe could take a little savings or just pivot into one of these just strictly throwers? We don't usually do this in cash games. Well, I mean, if I'm not going to pivot into Mahomes, I'm certainly not going to pivot into any of these other guys that are, um, you know, kind of worse versions of that. I will say, you know, if we... If this were the big tournament podcast, I do think there is a lot of interesting or, or there are a lot of interesting directions you could go. Um, you know, our system's wondering uh, where this Daniel Jones thing is, is headed, right? With Oof, um, yeah. the potential, you know, another guy who could who looked athletic enough to make it happen on the ground again. Right. And, you know, he's not free anymore. He's 7,300. But if what we saw last week is accurate, he could wind up being a $7,300 quarterback plus. And, uh, and it's certainly anyone who runs with that level of athleticism is capable of punching in a couple rushing touchdowns, which, you know, especially with Barkley out could become even more likely. So I kind of like him um, in terms of the pure passers. I, I think for big tournaments, the rivers Keenan Allen combo is going to be pretty highly owned this week too. Um, you know, they could put up video game numbers against the dolphins this week. So I think those are the two that I'm sort of leaning to. I, I'm not super excited about Matt Ryan. I think, you know, we, we just haven't seen the big time upside out of him so far this season and while the weapons are there I think he always winds up being like like just because Julio Jones is on his team he winds up being a little bit higher owned than I would prefer for big tournaments too so um, yeah my case with Ryan was that he was just so good last year but it got just thrown away because Mahomes was so 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 good and Ryan ended up becoming ended up being the second highest overall fantasy point quarterback 
on the season. And I just I thought that he was getting dinged a little bit, specifically on DraftKings at 5,900, uh, getting dinged a little bit because those interceptions were just seemed like this. It wasn't sustainable for him to throw two interceptions a game. And that was just killing some drives for them, killing some upside for him. So that's kind of where I land. Uh, the Daniel Jones one at 5,300 on DraftKings, I do think people are going to go there. The Redskins have been a bottom third defense on the season through three weeks in, in every, you know, every reasonable metric between yards and DVOA and pace and all this stuff. The Redskins defense has been pretty bad. And it's funny about, and I swear I'm going to move on after this, but it's funny about where you just realize that quarterbacks are just legit the only thing that matters when it comes to scoring points because the Giants come into this week with, I, I believe, twenty a, a team total of 26. Yeah, it was started 24 and a half up to 26, one of the highest in the weeks. And that's in the week where they just lost Saquon Barkley. So tell me running backs matter, and you just can't, you just can't, simply can't believe it when this team easily of their highest of their three of their three weeks and all and they've lost arguably their best player and replaced just Eli Manning the corpse of Eli Manning with Daniel Jones so quarterback's the only thing that matters but let's move on to running back actually before we do that let's take a quick break then we'll come back and talk about these backs if you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets there's only one place to go and that's vivid seats it's super easy you go to the app store download the vivid seats app you use the promo code overtime that's o v e r T-I-M-E, and you save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Once again, Vivid Seats, use the promo code OVERTIME. It's that easy. Get tickets, go to the game. You won't regret it. Christian McCaffrey everywhere. I, like, I don't, like, we talked about who the big guys, the big volume trustable backs are. Um, a lot of the one names we threw out there do not exist on the main slate, like Kamara, Zeke, uh, we've mentioned a couple other guys, but uh, is, is McCaffrey just the guy that we just, even though he's peak pricing right now, just have to pay for a running back? I think so. I think, you know, the fact that, you know, I, I was at least modestly concerned with Kyle Allen taking over a quarterback last week, uh, but the fact that McCaffrey touched the ball 27 times for 188 yards and a touchdown obviously eased my concern quite a bit. Uh, the only thing I was like modestly concerned about was the fact that McCaffrey was only targeted four times in the passing game. Um, I couldn't quite figure out why that was. I guess my assumption is that the Panthers wanted to just to try to establish the ball on the ground and then, you know, lean on Allen only if necessary. Obviously, Allen wound up being quite good, but it seemed like the packages that were called for McCaffrey, they sort of wanted to raise their floor on those by handing it off to him. Uh, I will say he's going to be a much less valuable player going forward if he only gets targeted four times a game rather than like eight to ten, which is what we were seeing uh, with Cam under center. Um, but you have to just assume that he's going to be the guy going forward. And at least on the main slate, there's no one that doesn't have question marks. Uh, we'll get to the other guys in a second. But um, the fact that the Panthers are five-point dogs to the Texans, I, I don't think you can um, you can discount McCaffrey too much for that. I think he really, really ought to be involved regardless of the game script. Yep, I think that last piece is the, is the is the key. Is that it? Just he's game script independent. If they're winning, he's the guy that's running the ball. If they're losing, he's in all the passing down packages. And, I, and there's just so few guys that you can say this that are good. There's a couple that aren't that the teams are, are have a big time question marks around them too. And we'll get to those one second. But McCaffrey's safety is that he's just the guy. There's no one else taking snaps from him. There's no one else taking any running back usage from him. Uh, and it really, no matter which way the game is going for Carolina. He, like 22 touches like feels like the absolute floor. I mean, nah, I'll say 20 touches feels like the absolute floor uh, for the way they use him. Walk me through some of these other guys, though, because you mentioned that there's question marks. I feel like that's the case here as well. Uh, you know, you wrote up running backs and focused a little bit more on that position this week. Walk me through the cases maybe for and against some of these other cash game plays because I do feel like you get the, the, the waters get a little muddy as we get down this list. 
Yeah, well, th this is really, it really does get difficult after this. Right now, our lineup optimizer is really trying to figure out a way to go cheap at running back, uh, whether that's going after Wayne Gallman and trying to, you know, catch lightning in a bottle there at 5,800 on FanDuel and 46 on DraftKings, whether it's, you know, trying to guess that Rick Burkhead really is going to take over more of these duties from Sonny Michelle, who's been one of the very worst uh, starting running backs in all of football this season, in spite of being in this incredibly prolific offense. Um, so, but unless you go really cheap with one of those guys, with you know the return of James White uh, makes the Burkhead play somewhat questionable, I think. Um, then you're going to have to pay up for a running back who has some question marks. So, um, like two guys I had in some in kind of the same category were uh, Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb. Uh, both of these guys seeing absurd usage. Uh, both of these guys are underpriced relative to where they should be in a league average matchup. And both of them have really tough matchups. So Cook goes up against Chicago, and Chubb goes up against Baltimore. Um, Chubb is much cheaper, especially on DraftKings, where he's 6,400. I think he's highly playable. Um, but both of these guys have just been absolute bell cows regardless of game script this season. So I'm curious to know if you have a preference between those two guys or if you think it's just not worth it to pay up for them in general. I really am struggling to want to, to run Dalvin Cook into this Bears defense, and I also understand that his usage numbers, actually probably we mentioned this yesterday, look low because he's just ripped off such huge chunks of yards when they've given him the opportunity. And his usage numbers are still fine. Like, we're still low to mid-20s. Like, he's still touched the ball a ton. Right, it's <laughs> so. still good, and it could only really be better. I mean, maybe that comes at the cost of some of the yards, right? But, like, overall, the I don't think we've seen what the actual plan with Cook is this year if they're in some of these close games. And, you know, maybe because I, I do think he's going to be in there in those passing down packages if they're trying to play catch up. I do think that, you know, the plan is in close games. They're going to want to keep him out there as much as possible because he's just such a dynamic runner. So I kind of I do I do feel like it might be fine to just play him. And it, and it's just so weird because there are so many bad defenses and Chicago just simply isn't one of them. Once again, it's early season, but they're piggybacking last year's performance with a top five DVOA already on the season now. So I that's my concern, and we sometimes run into this math problem of how good of a guy, how good is a runner compared to how good of the defense is, and this is just this is actually a prime example because we don't have some of those other names that we mentioned on the slate. I think, in the end, I don't think I'm gonna want to go there on Cook, and we've seen Dalvin Cook 50% ownership at times, and said, "Ugh, I just hate being on that side of it too," because the guy is just is so awesome when he touches the ball. Um, I don't know. I because and then well and then Chubb. I, I don't. Know, if it sounds like I'm wavering, I don't know. I will say that the extra thousand savings, at least on Fanduel, that you get for Chubb, and that Baltimore's defense, while good and they play a little slower, is just not Chicago's. I probably would lean him on the savings, for the same reasons that he just is out there, but he's just not a good enough runner. I don't know. Did I waffle enough on that decision? I don't feel like I came. Well, to it's not, I, I don't, you are reflecting the same sentiment I had in the article, which is that. Um, the good running backs this week are in spots with question marks. And I think that, uh, I, I guess I like Cook a little bit more than you do. I mean, just the fact that he's got 6.6 .6 yards per carry so far uh, leads me to believe that he's capable of, you know, churning out 22 carries for 90 yards against the Bears and, you know, punching in a touchdown or something like that, which honestly might be enough. Uh, the other guy I didn't mention, and maybe you like him better, is Austin Eckler. Um, you know, he was somewhat of a chalk play last week. And he didn't really totally get there. I mean, he had 16 total touches for 81 yards. Uh, seven of those were receptions, so he didn't kill you in PPR. But, you know, certainly not what you were hoping for from a, a running back now that's priced around $8,000. The Chargers have this dream matchup with Miami. They're 16.5-point favorites. We just saw Keenan Allen, unfortunately, get a lot of these short yardage passing situations 
thrown his way once again last week. Is Austin Eckler a guy you could turn to uh, going up against Miami here? Just feels a little overpriced, and I get that the matchup's great. I'm saying, so know. who is like, it? That's my question. Everyone no, they're is not. overpriced I, 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 every, or in bad matchups, right? Yeah, no, this is this is the question. I think we're going to have so many. This is, I hate to walk into this cash game podcast being not as definitive as I sometimes like to be. I mean, this is why it pays to just go sign up for our projection system at dfsr.com slash deals because we are making the – this is the cla- This is the very definition of an edge decision, I think, after McCaffrey. I do not think McCaffrey is an edge decision. I think every other running back on this define, slate is – Define an edge decision for everyone listening at home. Like what I mean is that there that this, the margin is probably very thin on being right or wrong on some of these guys. And if you're wrong on a guy like Eckler, let's say, at 8,100 – that, that, that can go really, really wrong on you fast because, one, it's bad to just spend this much and have it go wrong. And, two, it came at the cost of someone else that maybe was safer. Like, I don't, I'm making this up because it's not going to be this, but like a Keenan Allen or a Russell Wilson where you're paying up a little bit more at each position. So these edge decisions where I think it becomes very close and thin, and it's, and this is, it's problematic for everybody else that's going into this in these, in these secondary decisions on running back. And by everyone else, I mean everyone else you're competing against in daily fantasy is going to look yeah. at this, I think, look at this running second running or maybe third or flex position and say, I don't feel good about any of these, and I'm going to need to figure out a way to discern between all the bad, the bad kind of choices and make a decision, and that can feel bad. I don't, I like it. And, it just, and it's all going to be very close. I don't know. It's all going to be very, very close because it's not going to take much – for one of these guys to probably be really good based on the usage, and it doesn't also doesn't feel like there's much to have one of these guys just burn you really bad. All right, let's well, we'll go through a couple more of these running backs. Like we'll talk, I think we'll, let's just save Gallman and uh, and some of these other guys for the game by game podcast tomorrow because we can talk about what the Giants uh, like maybe plan is and what we think that's going to be. And okay. I think and I have a, I have other guys I want to throw out there like Chris Carson, who's in another one of these good spots. Um, we have the Rams who are ten point favorites. I think there probably are. I think the the list of running backs that we kind of feel pukey about is probably Marlon Mack is a seven-point favorite at home. We kind of feel pukey about um, is probably pretty long. So we can kind of save some of those guys for the game-by-game podcast. Let's roll into wide receiver. This one seems – this position seems a little clearer to me, thank goodness, because yeah. – and, and actually, and I want to say one thing is sometimes when – like at least for our system right now, if you run lineups, you're getting one, two, three – I'm going to say four, five guys who are – Essentially, ninety percent own ninety percent of ninety percent of our top lineups or higher. Some are just like hundred percent. So when that's the case, and that group is like Wilson, McCaffrey, um, and Keenan Allen, uh, Tyler Lockett, Julian Edelman. We'll talk about these guys in a second. That gives you very little wiggle room around where to place the rest of your salary, and sometimes that's why the decisions don't feel that good either, because these other positions are completely locked in, and unless you get great salaries in some of these other guys. It does feel like you're just shuffling the deck chairs around. So I think that's part of the problem, too. Walk me through. I mean, Keenan Allen, are we seeing him as just easily the safest guy? It sure feels like it. Yeah, Keenan Allen, I think, will be the overwhelmingly highest owned guy at the position this week. I, I think it's just hard to argue with. We went, we broke this down yesterday in the uh, week, two, week three recap uh, podcast. But the fact that he's essentially played one more game than every other wide receiver with nine more targets, four more catches... Uh, it's like 80 more yards. I can't remember all the stats off the top of my head now, but yeah, he just seems like very easily the best play of the week. The only argument against him, I think, this week is that if you do think this game gets out of hand the way every other Miami game has gotten out of hand so far this season, and you think he loses some of the starting reps uh, or doesn't get there totally on the targets, I suppose that's an argument against it. But it still seems like right now the 95% of the offenses throw to Keenan Allen and maybe hand it off to Austin Eckler occasionally. And 
you know, when you're in a situation like that, it sure looks like Keenan Allen's headed to be a $9,000 wide receiver. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be playing Keenan Allen and not sweating the big spread that much. Yeah, Miami's got completely destroyed through the air this season. They got destroyed in every facet of the game, so that part isn't new. But they're sitting, just in terms of DVOA, so much lower than the next worst team that it's just kind of a joke about how bad they are. Like Their overall defensive DVOA is... 14% worse than the next closest DVOA at with the Giants. Like this just it's there's such a disaster that I think that you this is the, and again this is the case where maybe just like having Eckler and Allen in there and just hoping that that's you know that there's so there's such a high floor in those two plays based on just the, how the offense runs. Um, I know that's not always not always the best way to look at things. I tend to I tend to kind of get caught into that line of thinking more than you do, but this does feel like just the Miami's just so damn bad that this could be the case. Uh, we have Lockett, another one that is coming off a big week. We also have Julian Edelman, who is coming off a big first half. Our system is basically locked in on these guys. I Do you see a reason to pivot off of them? 6,600 for Lockett, 69 for Edelman on, fan, on FanDuel. DraftKings, Lockett, 63, and Edelman, 65. So they're all right in that middle tier. And it just feels like they're their target, their target share, target share, share just so safe right now. Um, do you feel? And but again, the cost of more expensive running backs. Do you feel okay with that when you see those? Well, yeah, names? I don't know if you want to just charge right in with Edelman on this, given the chest injury right now. Uh, especially, you know, I, I guess the X-rays came back negative, and he's not expected to miss an extended period of time. But right now, he's still questionable. So I don't think we can, you know, say he's a lock, hundred percent lineup guy just at this point. Obviously, we'll have more information as we get closer to kickoff on Sunday, but um, he's the major one I would have concern about. Lockett, he finally turned into the big target share guy that we were hoping for uh, in the last two weeks, so he's a lock play for me. But, yeah, I'm going to definitely keep my eye on Edelman because I don't, like in a week where there are so many great wide receiver options, I definitely don't need to lock someone in if I'm concerned at all that he's going to play or, you know, not be used in his full capacity. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I, I kind of, I guess I was just working under that assumption um, that he was going to play. Obviously, if he was even questionable or there was any concern about his health, uh, I think we would we would happily pivot off him. I these these wide receivers, these three specifically, were just kind of so far above the rest of the group um, that I hesitated to write up anybody else. I did nod to Sammy Watkins. I think that. Watkins has led the team in targets for two weeks in a row on weeks where they've thrown for like 800 yards, and he just has somehow become like the third or fourth best option in the, from a fantasy perspective in this offense. I still maintain that the floor on him is, is or excuse me, the upside on him is as high as any wide receiver in the game, just because when you get the most targets in this offense, there's not going to be many weeks in a row that you are not the highest scoring receiver on the offense, and it just right. hasn't really happened with him. And I, I, I'm, I'm kind of in, I feel like I'm in one of those zones where we were so definitive on, on Watkins for the last two weeks and he's not in the lineup now that I feel like that's just our karma. He's just going to say he's going to break back out of it this week, but we'll see. Mm. All right, let's finish this thing off with tight ends. You have three guys here. I think I'm going to throw a fourth one in and see what your thoughts are, but walk me a little bit through tight ends um, and where you see, could you see us paying up into like not the upper tier, I don't think, but the middle tier this week, and I'm going to throw out one guy that I want your opinion on. Give me, kind of break down where you went with tight ends. Sure. Uh, so Evan Ingram was the top guy for me right now. Uh, right now, essentially the case for Ingram is that he's looked like one of the top tight ends in football this season and if there was any concern about transitioning from Manning to Jones I think those fears were laid last week I guess 113 yards and a touchdown on six catches um, I think Jones is just seeing what Eli was seeing which is that Ingram is the guy on any given play who's the most likely to be open 
and the fact that he's still under 7,000 on FanDuel, under 6,000 on DraftKings, uh, I think it's just a great value. Um, I also think it can't hurt him that Saquon Barkley is not in the mix right now. Uh, we've seen when Gallman fills in in the past, he's not necessarily the greatest pass catching back. And I think those short yardage passing situations often gets run the tight end's way uh, when the, the big time running back goes out. So I really like Engram uh, in terms of being the highest floor guy right now. Yeah, uh, you also had Waller and Kelsey. Waller uh, has seen some huge target share weeks for sure mm -hmm. in this Oakland offense that just seems like they're going to spend the whole season playing catch-up. Uh, he's converted 90% of his targets so far. He's Pretty 26 good. for 29 for 267 yards. So he's second uh, yeah, no, yeah, second overall in targets, third all over in yards. Still has zero touchdowns, though. Like, I mean, does that kind of factor into our – it feels like that isn't set to continue, but he still kind of plays on a bad offense here. Uh, where do you rank Waller compared to Ingram? They're, gen, they're you know, coming toward the same price tier, uh, not exactly. Do you see him? Do you see them as kind of equals though, just based on the target share? Yeah, it's just very hard to imagine the Raiders' offense moving forward without Waller being heavily featured. I mean, the fact that the average Raiders' offensive play is so bad, but the average play to Waller is just so excellent. You know, <laughs> like yeah. uh, completing the ball ninety percent of the time uh, for ten yards per catch like that's just a fantastic offensive play so I don't know that they can build upon the 14 targets he saw last week but I, I certainly think the touchdown share uh, will be there by the end of the season I, I think we're still potentially getting him at a value I mean we've seen many tight ends kind of come and go but I, I am a believer in Waller at this point uh, you had Kelsey too I don't think we need to go through the attributes of why Kelsey is a good fantasy option on a week-to-week -week basis that one's pretty obvious I did want to throw out yeah. one name for you though um, this week, the Seattle Seahawks traded away their second tight end, Nick Bannett, who actually would, he was in 26, uh, 26 of their snaps, which is about one-third of their offensive snaps, not excuse me, one-fourth of their offensive snaps last week. Um, they traded him to the Steelers, so he's no longer on the team. That was their second tight end. Leaving what it seems like with speculation is that Will Disley is now going to mm -hmm. just play every down for the Seahawks. He was second on the team in targets last week with seven, despite only playing 46 snaps, uh, 46 of the 82 snaps. He's 3,600 on DraftKings. Uh, I think he's 5,400 on FanDuel. This news kind of just came out within the last 24 hours uh, without time for us to like really synthesize it before we published our cash game article. But how far do you feel like this moves him up the chain in terms of knowing that he might just be like one of these you know, borderline tight end one kind of guys, but he's coming you know, thousands, eh, 1,500 cheaper than some of the guys we mentioned before and really cheap at 3,600 on DraftKings. Yeah, I think Disley's an interesting play. I mean, he's the thing you love about him the most is just the red zone target share. I mean, the fact that he punched in three touchdowns over the last two weeks on just 12 targets is is excellent, of course. Um, yeah, given that he's cheap, I think he's a guy you can definitely take a stab at. He strikes me as sort of like objectively more uh, risky than some of the other plays. But if getting that savings means that you can kind of sneak away from some of the more speculative plays elsewhere, then I think you can make a case for it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just seem, it does seem like to me that we're in an era where we don't need to take as many risks as tight ends. So I'm not as cautious about being a week late on a guy like Disley as I might have been in the past. Like, you know, in the past, I would have really been all about playing Disley. And because just all the other options were so terrible, like, you know, you'd be taking some other tight end who just had three catches on seven targets. So, yeah, I, that's kind of where I land right now. Good play. I, I could see it happening, but I would really want to feel great about how I was reinvesting that savings elsewhere. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think you spoke to like, you spoke to my only piece of concern around it. Cause I think the guys we mentioned before just have shown week in and week out that they are just going to command, you know, at times just double digit targets. And there is 
a heck of a lot of value in that. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with a game-by-game breakdown podcast. We'll go through each game in the main slate, talk about the injury news. Not a ton this week. Uh, we'll talk about some GPP plays because we did we glossed over a couple of teams that I think are just tremendous spots, uh, for especially for GPP upside, uh, just between their matchups and just the way they're using some of their guys. But we'll get into that a little bit more tomorrow. You can sign up for our projection system at dfsr.com slash deals. That'll give you a free seven-day trial to our projection system. So you sign up today, you can try it out for the week, through Sunday, and you can just see what it's all about. Jump into the chat room, talk to some of our longtime and new users that have been around either you know for years with us or just from football season. We're talking football all morning on Sundays. We're talking baseball. We'll be grinding hard at basketball too. So we're we're in that chat room all the time, and that's part of our premium package. We're really proud of it. So dfsr.com slash deals. If you don't want to do that, you just go and rate and review the podcast. We've seen the numbers climb uh, with the podcast as well. So things are looking good in DFSR world. We can we really appreciate all the help out there that you've given us. So rate and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen. Uh, all that stuff really just – it doesn't seem like much, but it really helps us out a lot. We'll be back tomorrow talking game-by-game game breakdown for FanDuel and DraftKings main slate. Buddy, talk to you in just 24 hours. See ya.